What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. and gentlemen, today's opponents on Man versus Train. At the crossing, we have Rick, a 175-pound frustrated man who's running late for work. And on the tracks, we have Bull, a million-pound freight train that takes a mile to stop. Let's see who comes out on top. You can't beat a train, so don't try. Stop. Trains can't. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Hi, this is Maury Moreland Morrison, here to tell you GEICO has more than just great savings. Much more. Yes, while GEICO could help you rack up more moolah faster than you can say metamorphosis, they've also been the fastest growing auto insurer for more than 10 years. That's more like it. Furthermore, GEICO has fast and friendly claim service. That might seem like an oxymoron, but it's not. All the more reason to say no other auto insurer has more more than GEICO. GEICO. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. What's up, guys? Red Nation News Podcast. My name is Salman Ali at Red Nation Hoops on Twitter. Two man podcast today here with Forrest Walker at Do Nots on Twitter. How you doing, man? Hey, pretty good. So, uh, I guess the best place to start is they're not as mighty units. Um, it looks like this saga has finally come to an end. Uh, I think we can safely say that, although I, we never know. Uh, it's the end for the Rockets, but for Demo, it's just the beginning. Yeah, um, it sucks. It sucks. Uh, so basically what happened was um, after coming to an agreement on that contract, uh, the Rockets uh, went into more detail on his medical condition. And they. it looks like from the statement that they put out on Demo, um, they worked with the league office to find out more about, I guess, his back, right? Demo's back, because we know that was a concern for so long. And they renounced his rights, uh, so he's an unrestricted free agent now. And the Rockets aren't going to—they aren't going to be bringing Demo back. And the net, he can't go to the Nets because um, he already—he already signed an offer sheet with them. And so he's basically out in the open. Uh, and this situation couldn't have been more mishandled. Yeah, uh, it really sucks for him. It sucks for everybody. Uh, if there was any way to make it work with the Rockets, that would have been the best case scenario. But uh, I don't know. Like I've, like I've keep kept saying i hope that his career is not ruined by his back or his agent uh you can get rid of a bad agent but you can't get rid of a bad back yeah and that's pretty much how i feel like like demo is a talented player and, and that we need to say that like over and over again like demo is very good like he's a good positional defender uh he can he can post up well like legitimately really really well uh, he can pass the ball really well, like among the best passers among big men. And I'm not overstating that. I think I really believe that. Um, he's a good three-point shooter when he's in rhythm. 
So he's pretty much exactly what you want from a modern-day big man. Um, and I would love to see what he can do in D'Antoni's system. And I thought he would, he could have carved out like a good 7-8 year, maybe even 10 year career as a contributing force on a championship team. And, you know, it's it's sad to see his career end like this because, like, I, I'm really high on Demo. I think Demo is really, really good. And I, to, to me, like, th- this falls squarely on his agent because uh, BJ Armstrong, his his representation, he had so many opportunities to fix this. Uh, to, I mean, yeah, he sure did. Yeah, I mean, if you go back to the starter restricted free agent, like, see if they if they couldn't come together on an offer, I mean, they could he could have at least signed the qualifying offer, and he refused to do that. Qualifying offer is obviously four million dollars for one year, and he could have been off the Rockets next year, and he and that would have basically been a showcase for him and for the rest of the league. Uh, you know, as to how good he is, how healthy he is, and it's basically a no risk for both teams. And but but you know, his agent chose to make it complicated, and you know, miss that qualifying offer deadline. And so, I mean, it's it's so it's so frustrating. It's beyond frustrating because after that deal with the Nets, you, you thought everything was done. Like the Rockets matched that offer sheet, and again, his pro uh, his agent chose to protest and not show and basically advised Demo not to show up to his physical and th- that could have been it like he could have showed up and that and the Rockets could he could have been on that Brooklyn contract instead he wanted to renegotiate another contract that was actually inferior to the old old contract for his agent and I mean if you if you look it up and down at BJ Armstrong's client list it's not impressive not impressive at all <laughs> Um, and you could argue that at least as far as decision making goes, yeah. And, and if you even like as far as the the clients he signed, I mean they're not that they're not that great. There's no superstar name that sticks out to you, um, unless um, I guess if you're holding out hope that Derrick Rose might still return to glory. I mean, Derrick Rose had a chance. He was a superstar, you know. Uh, health health robbed that from him, but uh, Derrick Rose's decision making has not been good. <laughs> like in life decisions, there's there's. There's reasons for the concern. Yeah, and the way their his clients like communicate with the media, and the way he communicates with the media, this, this is just a bizarre dude. Like I don't know how else to describe. He's just a weird guy, and he doesn't really understand the CBA. Like I remember that statement he put out that he wants to fight for his rights. Like you're a restricted free agent, dude. Like you can't. You have no rights. Like like you if by agreeing to play in the NBA, you agree to this restricted free agent structure, and. Basically, you, you're under the, what what this collective bargaining agreement uh, calls for, which is basically the team controls your rights and can match any offer that comes to you, right? And so, fighting for your rights, I mean, it's it's dumb. Uh, and and this whole thing that he has against analytics, because he tweeted that out a whole bunch of times. <laughs> um, I mean, dude, you're in a, you're in a league where 30 NBA teams use analytics. This is not like you have to conform to that. Like, even if you're against it, you have to sort of. You know, you can't say that publicly that you're against analytics. All your clients are going to be judged by analytics in some form, fashion, right? Like, that's how scouting's done this day. There's traditional scouting and there's analytic analytical scouting, and you can do both. Yeah, and, you can do both. Yeah, and and the best organizations do both: the Spurs, the Mavericks, the Rockets, uh, the Heat. You know, all those great organizations they use both both methods of scouting. So to to say that analytics is some sort of uh, I'm not. I'm not talking about analytics. So I mean, I'm done with this. Like it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's beyond frustrating. Yeah, I just hope that it's uh, Armstrong's fault. Even like, sorry, BJ, if you're listening, you're not. But uh, I hope it's his fault because, like I said, I I do not prefer the world where Modi Unis's back is really messed up, and 
but reading between the lines, I yeah, conspiracy theory music. If we have it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> reading between the lines, my suspicion is that the Nets are willing to take an iffy result on a medical because they need to take flyers on somebody. You know, there's no like, what are they doing otherwise if they don't take out some flyers on young guys? And it had that backload or that uh that non guaranteed last couple of years. It was a really low risk move for the for the Nets. Uh, and I wonder how much of this is BJS trying to get his guy not to go into the physical because look when he finally did go in for the physical, what happened? Uh, like if if BJ is competent, if this was actually uh, it was better to make the big weird stink and try to back the Rockets into a contract than to actually go to the physical. If it was always the physical they were trying to get rid of, that means that that would suggest they kind of knew, and that suggests that his back is worsening as it's faded. So I hope that Armstrong is incompetent. Uh, I don't want Modius's career to end with this weird back thing. Uh, it's a better world with him playing basketball. Yeah, and to use Demo, who's uh, pretty much just a role player in the NBA, to use him as a pawn to make some sort of political statement against the restricted free agency, I mean, it's just not going to work. Demo's not LeBron James. It's not going to work. Like, And like the Rockets have full leverage. Nothing you say or do against restricted free agency, it's not, it's not, nothing's going to change the process. And uh, again, like BJ Armstrong aside, I hope Demo's in the NBA again. Demo, it's time to fire your agent. Get a new agent, get some new representation, and and sign on a minimum deal. Get a Utah or whatever, yeah. Yeah, I mean, because I guarantee you, like, in a few years, if he does all the smart things, he could be on the Spurs uh, being a part of the next great Spurs dynasty uh, as a really good contributor. Because I think he's that damn good. Like, he can be a really solid backup big man. And in today's NBA, someone who's as skilled as Demo... I mean, that's a real asset for teams. And I, I think I, I'm hoping the best for Demo. I'm hoping that this is not the last we've seen of Demo. I'm hoping we see him in the NBA again, and I hope a team utilizes his, his skill set again because I genuinely want to watch him play again because he's one of my favorite Rockets to watch play and the way he communicates with the fan base. Like, I just I love that about him. Yeah, his he has a unique skill set. It's fun and a good time. He has a great attitude on the court always. I I. I'm going to miss Modi Yunus. Uh, he was a fun member of a team that was mostly fun. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so I get, I'm, I'm hoping, again, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that's the end of the Demo saga. If anything ever happens with him in, in free agency uh, this summer, we'll talk about it. Uh, but yeah, that's it for Demo. Uh, I'm hoping we don't have to talk about him on a podcast for the rest of the year. That, I, that's my genuine hope. But yeah, so the Rockets have won 10 games in a row now. and um, Well, that's weird. It, it's weird. It's I don't know what to think of this team. Like I, I really don't know what to think of this team because if you look at all the metrics, <laughs> like if you look at point differential, net rating, uh, SRS, which is basically net rating adjusted for schedule uh, by Basketball Reference, they're they're a top five team. They're the really good. Yeah, they're, they're really good. Like they're a top five team, and and normally in any situation, a top five team. I mean, that's a dark horse fi- contender for the for, championship. For, yeah, for everybody wondering, by the way, who did the Rockets edge out in SRS to be a top five team? Uh, it was the Spurs with yeah. an SRS of five point nine nine. Rockets with six point nine six, which is very good. Yeah, and like again, point differential, SR, SRS, and net rating. These all three are like the big three ratings uh, for playoff success. So if we're if we're being serious, like 
if we're going by track record, this team should be really, really dangerous in the playoffs. And I'm not sure if I buy that. And I'm not, I'm not sure if I buy the opposite that they're just a, a scrappy playoff team. I, th- I think they can be more. I'm, I'm confused. Like I don't know what to think of this because, like, if you look at the roster, right, going into this, we didn't think they'd be this good. Like I, I can't think, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head that thought they'd be on pace for a 61 record. Like that, that I don't remember anybody in the off season. And if if anyone says they they said that, they're lying because there's no way in hell anybody could have predicted what's going on right now. Yeah, I was kind of thinking they would get score around 113 per hundred possessions, and they give up like 109 per hundred possessions, which is pretty generous. It's like a four point net rating, which is pretty good. But I didn't expect this. But that even then, like that's like a that's like tenth in the league in net rating, like a four and. They're like fifth, right? Like, yeah. I, and they're fourteenth in defense now. Fourteenth in defensive rating. I, of course, all this is contingent on if they stay healthy or not. That's a big factor in all this. How good is this team? Like, are they a contender? Are they a pretender? Are they? What What do we think of this team right now? Uh, I'm going to kind of cheat and say that they're not a true contender but that they're as close as you can get without being the Cavs or the Warriors. Like, the Cavs numbers have been slipping a bit, but I don't think you can really trust the Cavs regular season numbers, if we're being honest here. Uh, they kind of sleepwalk through the season a lot. So you don't. It's, it's hard to really judge the Cavs. You know they can get it up when it matters. Uh, the Warriors have looked less scary than last season, but are equally a force to be reckoned with. The Warriors are clearly the best team in the league. The Cavs, I think, are probably the second best team in the league. And then the Rockets are in that next tier with every with the, with the other of the uh, of the big six, as uh, you might call them. There are six teams that are head and shoulders above everybody else. And honestly, the Jazz are trying to join up with that group too. The Jazz's numbers are really good. Yeah. So it's kind of a big seven. Yeah, and, and that's a team that the Rockets have to look out for because that could be a potential first-round playoff matchup for the Rockets. Um, the Jazz are really good, especially particularly defensively, and they're really good at controlling the tempo of a game. Um, Rudy Gobert is really good. Uh, he's the real deal. He's actually that good defensively. Uh, and George Hill, again, also the real deal, a really good point guard. I, I think I'm going to probably go ahead and call this Rockets team like Raptors West. Because I, I think that's probably an appropriate description of them. Like they're yeah, like there's only one team they're particularly afraid of, and like they have a decent. Uh, the Raptors are better than everyone else except for the Cavs, though. Like that's a clear. But I think they're in that same tier. I think you're right. Yeah, and like there is good. I think I think you probably described them like great. Uh, they're as good as a play uh, as a championship contender as you can be without being a championship contender because. Their numbers say they're a championship contender, but I mean, as we know, the, the playoffs is a totally different animal. You have to have two transcend, transcendent superstars to basically carry you through because defenses get better in the playoffs. They get a lot better, um, especially in a seven-game series where there's so much scouting done on you. Um, you, you know, the other team's going to take away all your strengths, and basically, you're going to have to depend on those two transcendent superstars. And the Rockets, the Rockets only have one of those guys right now. Uh, granted, he's probably the MVP right now, uh, and he's playing at a really, really great level. Uh, I still, like, I still don't think that's enough. Uh, this is probably like as close to a replication of the Phoenix Suns of two of the two thousands as you can get. Well, that team got really close, though. <laughs> they were so close to winning the finals. They were, I mean, they never made the finals, but I, everyone kind of agrees after the fact that if they had uh, not had some 
really shady stuff go down against the the Spurs that one time. They probably would have made the finals and probably would have won. So I don't know. That's that's not a bad place to be. If you're that team, that's a good place to be. Or if Joe Johnson doesn't get injured, like they could have won the yeah. championship. Like and again, I'm not sure. Like I'm not sure if if we can call the Rockets like that good yet because they don't have anybody as good as Amari Stoudemire. Amari Stoudemire was really good, and uh, I talked about this with Nick Wright in a podcast a few. Uh, I think it was about a month ago now. Uh, Amari Stoudemire at the time, he was one of the most efficient scorers in the NBA. Uh, one, probably the best role man in NBA history in terms of playing the pick and roll. Um, he had a really great mid-range J. Like, uh, you know, he was pretty, pretty, he was pretty much elite at that. Um, and he could finish around the basket as good as anybody in NBA history uh, at his prime. And I'm not sure the Rockets have that. Clint Capella is really close in terms of as a role man. Like he's in terms of that type of role, but he does. He's just not as skilled as Amari was, and I, I think that needs to be clear. And yeah, <laughs> that, that, yes, that's a good point. Yeah, and um, oh, man, it's tough. It's I don't know. Well, I, I I don't know. Well, what here's the important part. Yeah, we don't know is important, right? This team is good enough that instead of saying, "eh, they're in that like sub, they're in that like middle of the pack, like decent West team tier," they're kind of rising above that. And now we don't know if they're a real contender or not, and that's a hell of a lot better than anybody could have thought. There's only there's only one team in the West that I would say, "oh, they're definitely losing that." Like if if say you told me tomorrow they're going to face the, the Spurs or the Rap or Spurs or the Clippers or the Jazz in a playoff series, I'd say. I have no idea who's winning that playoff series. I don't know. Uh, we don't have enough information for that. We can't come down on that. But that's that's such an improvement <laughs> from this yeah. offseason yeah. where we didn't expect it even to be the case. There's some actual intrigue here. And I don't think they're even afraid of the Warriors. Uh, I don't think they can beat the Warriors, but I don't think they're afraid of the Warriors. It's it's weird. And while that may be a, good, um, a drastic improvement from what they were going to be uh, going into the season – um, it's not an uh, improvement on my sanity because I, I, I'm, I have no idea what to think of this team and it's frustrating the hell out of me because I really want to have a, have a good understanding of what this team is. They've won 10 games in a row and we still haven't even gotten to that. Like they, I don't, yeah, we haven't even gotten to that game itself. Good yeah, like, Lord. That, like I tweeted about this after the game, like, like this podcast could have been like totally like if I didn't bring you on, it might, it might've been 40 minutes of me laughing because like, like this, <laughs> they should not have won that game. And, like, Ben DuBose brought me on for Locked On Rockets, and he asked me, like, what game do you think the Rockets are going to lose? I-, I said probably this Timberwolves game. It was that one. It was yeah. definitely that one. Yeah, because they're on a back-to-back. The-, the Timberwolves have three days of rest, and um, they played six games a night in uh, eight nights, and I- that's really t- demanding on, on the body. And it's a nice fortress up there right now, too. Yeah, it's like eight de- negative eight degrees outside or something like Ugh. that. Yeah, why, and- why even? Yeah, and... and- it it just felt like a trap game, right? Like it felt like a game like the Rockets are going to lose. It was on the road, and well, it was. Yeah, they fell into the trap, <laughs> and up until the last two minutes, like they were down by twelve with two minutes to go, and Ryan Anderson, James Harden, and uh, Trevor Ariza decided to be to go supernova and uh, get the Rockets to overtime. And Patrick Beverly, man. Like, okay, we talked about Patrick Bowie on the last podcast, and I don't think we did him justice. Like, he is all NBA defense. And, like, he he's making a case, he's trying to make a case that he might be defensive player of the year. Hey, good luck, but hey, good Can, luck. Hold on, hold on. Are we, too, are we being too dismissive of that? Because if you, mine is Rudy Gobert and Draymond Green. Like, 
can he be in the top five? Because like he's been so damn good, especially in clutch situations. Like like if you if you look at how many games Patrick Beverly has won the Rockets in clutch situations on the defensive end, diving for loose balls. And there was a play I tweeted out last night. I think you might have saw it. It was a video of Patrick Beverly. Like he guarded three players in one possession. He guarded um, Zach Levine. He guarded. Uh, he drew a charge on Carl Towns, and I, and he just left Ricky Rubio open because he didn't have to do anything with Rubio because Rubio is a non-threat from beyond the three-point line. And he guarded three guys in the span of one possession, <laughs> and well, and it was it might have been the most incredible play I've ever seen Patrick Beverly do. Like it was. No, just, he's he's stellar this season. His defense is amazing. Uh, he he might be able to make a case for uh for first team. Uh, I think he'll oh, probably get second team. Well, see, De- defensive player of the year, I'm not sold on, but I think it's just more because of optics than anything else. Like, I think it's this year it's Draymond Green's to lose. Yeah, and, and a so. lot of a lot of this is history, right? Because point guards don't typically affect affect the defense historically as great as big men, right? And that's that's just how it's always been. And you know, unless you count Kawhi Leonard and Gary Payton, like who are transcendent def- defenders, like it's never gone to a, a point guard, right? It's never gone to a wing player, and. I'm not sure if Patrick Beverly's ever going to be on Kawhi's level or anything like but this year he's been that damn good. He's been so damn good. And you mentioned maybe he makes first all NBA team. I I I think he is. Like I I don't think there's a question at this point that he makes first team all NBA cuz he's been so good. Like Avery Bradley has not been as good as, Pat, as Patrick Beverly. Uh and you can go through the guard positions and I th- I think you can't it's hard to name one like who's been better than Patrick Beverly. Uh maybe Danny Green but I mean, it's it's been really hard, and I don't know. Like I, 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 he's been really impressive to me. He's having the best season of his career by far, and uh, the the counting stats may not prove that. But if you look at the advanced metrics and if you watch him play, like he's been, he's having a bounce back season defensively, as we talked about extensively, and offensively, he's on a different level from where he was. He's he he can get to the lane at will. And he can, and he's a decent passer when he gets there, and that's something we just didn't expect from Patrick Beverly like three or four years ago. And now, insurance-minded speeches from Geico. It's a common expression: "Don't look a gift horse in the mouth." However, what if the horse's mouth is filled with useful insurance tools? This is the exact case with the Geico app. Yes, the app is free and therefore a gift horse. However, look inside the app, and behold. Emergency roadside assistance, digital ID cards, bill pay. Get the Geico app. Look it in the mouth. Get amazing services. Thank you. Yeah, well, he seems pretty healthy. Uh, he's being enabled to do this. And uh, pardon my French, I guess, but uh, the whole team gives it this season. So that's a, <laughs> that's a, a huge help that enables everybody to be able to do what they need to do. Uh, they're clearly communicating more. They're clearly trying more. I mean, look, I, not to not to say I told you so, but I am going to tell you that I told you so. I told everybody that you don't have a top five offense without the amount of effort it takes to have a top, but to have like a halfway decent defense. Uh, they're they care and they're going out there and giving the effort. And if you give the effort, your defense is going to be kind of passable. Like you're not going to have a truly abysmal defense, no matter who you have playing there, especially when you have a few guys who can defend really well. Uh, this isn't like it's surprising how well it's working, but I don't think it's surprising that it's working. 
Right, and, and there's some variables to that too. Like, I mean, there, there's a reason when you're a top five offense, you're not going to be that horrendous defensively. Uh, you're going to end the offensive possession, so your defense gets set a lot quicker. You're gonna you're gonna allow a lot of transition buckets, and that helps your defense a lot. And you're gonna get to the free throw line, and that helps set your defense a lot. And so, yeah, there's something to that top five offense theory uh, that helps your defense get better. And I think like this this team is just so fun. And uh, like that that game last night in, in, in Minnesota, if you, if you wanted to paint a picture perfect image of this Rockets team it was that game because like I I thought this game was over like I, I I'm pretty sure everybody turned their TVs off because this game was like it, it was in the bag 12 points uh, 12 points with two minutes remaining and this and James Harden decided to go supernova like he went LeBron mode with the passing like he was throwing LeBron like passes and he went and he had a three of his own and Ryan Anderson uh, decided to finally wake up and hit some jumpers and Trevor Ariza uh, same same for him and those are the games the Rockets just didn't even have a chance in hell of winning last year yeah that's a that's a mentality that's a guts game and a hearts game look uh now they shoot a lot of threes, which are highly variable. Like if we want to get down to nitty gritty and you know, not go into intangibles about why they can come back into a game like that, a team that shoots a billion threes is gonna have three point shooting streaks occasionally, and they're gonna have lulls occasionally, and they had both in that game. Uh, so it's not that surprising that they can come back in a game like that. Uh, however, I think it's important that they did because now they know they can. I mean, I think they already knew it anyway, but that's the kind of game that really just girds them for further efforts like that. It's important not to give up. They didn't give up, and they got rewarded not for giving up, and that adds up over time. So even if this doesn't work out next time, they're going to know that it can work out, and they're going to let fewer games slip away just because they look bleak. That's a big part of winning regular season games, and honestly, it's a big part of winning play, uh, play, playoff games too. So that's a good thing you want to see from a team. Even if, yes, it's actually kind of a coin flip as to who won it, you want to know they're going to flip that coin as hard as they goddamn can. <laughs> um, is Mike D'Antoni coach of the year? Uh, probably. I think he's probably going to get it. Like I don't, I, I don't even know if he deserves to get it. I have no idea how much of this is like the grand plan of D'Antoni, uh, but I think he's going to get it if they, unless they just fall off a cliff. I mean, like the, the whole basis of that award, of that award is basically how well you overachieve, right? Or, or yeah, who surprised the most? Yeah, who surprised the most? That's exactly what that award is. And right now, if you look at that, if you look at under that under those circumstances, I mean, the only two candidates are Dave Fisdell and uh, the and Mike D'Antoni, right? And he's getting he's getting stuff out of role players that. You know, they just didn't show last year. Like like with Patrick Beverly we talked about. Uh Trevor Ariza gives a damn on defense again. Um Corey Brewer is not terrible. Well he's he's still terrible. I mean, but he's not he, he you can still play him, right? And like uh guys on the bench are much better than they traditionally have been. And uh, a guy like Eric Gordon is having a resurgent career because Mike D'Antoni gives him a lot of freedom on the offensive end. And uh Man, it, it, it's it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch, and I I I think he's probably my front runner. Um, granted, I am a little biased, and I'll admit that right off the bat. Um, but I just think but he's been getting buzzed, though. It's 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 out there. It's out there. And what what about MVP? Like, it, 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 am I crazy for thinking at this point, since the Rockets achieved the third seed, um, he's probably Harden's probably the leading candidate for MVP? Am I being too biased there? Uh. No, everything I've seen has suggested that he's moving towards that. I've seen more national people talking about 
he's taking the reins now. And, you know, obviously a 10-game winning streak versus the the Thunder losing a few games recently does something to that effect. Because really, it seems that in a lot of people's eyes, uh, I don't want to say most because I don't know, I know there's a lot of MVP voters, but the general buzz seems to be that yes, it's probably going to be between uh, Russ and Harden right now, as far as it, as far as the season's gone. Uh, that usually tends to keep shaking out the rest of the season. We're far enough in the season that it's generally going to kind of resemble the season so far. And Harden is slowly pulling into the lead. I think uh, Russ's numbers are very impressive, but like people want to dismiss the team success part, which yeah, kind of goes against Harden as well, but. I don't think people are going to forget team success or narrative, and I think Harden has a better mix of those two than Russ does. Yeah, and that frustrates me because, like, whenever a candidate that everybody likes comes onto the table, like, a historical precedent goes out the window. And and that's pretty much what's going on with Russell Westbrook. I mean, what what we've been told these past three years um, is that the MVP award goes to one of the best teams in the NBA uh, and one of the best players on that team, right? That's traditionally how it's gone. And with Russell Westbrook, he's putting up these amazing triple double numbers that everybody wants to throw out all that out the window. What I'm and, I, and I'm just saying, like if the if the Thunder are the seventh seed, like can you really give him the MVP? Like, and I, I I understand he's having a tremendous impact on the Thunder, and the Thunder would be a lottery team without him. But the Rockets would be a struggling to get into the playoffs without Harden, right? Like they go from good to great under Harden, and that's this is pretty much what the Steph versus Harden MVP case of 2014-15 was derived off of, right? This same exact case, except uh, the Rockets were a little bit better than the Thunder. But, I mean, it was pretty much this, right? Like, do you vote for a candidate that takes a team from good to great, or do you vote for a candidate that takes a team from mediocre to good? Right. Well, here's I'm gonna all right, I'm gonna drop this down on you on from a Rockets perspective that I think is gonna be uh, not the worst. Pro- I think this is a good problem to have, and the reason is this: when people are saying, "Oh, well, yeah, I mean, he makes his team better, but look how good the team is anyway." Like, is it really that big of a deal? Like you said, it happened with Steph, where people are going, "Yeah, he makes the team better, but they go, but they're a 67 win team, so what? They only would have won like 50 with 55 without him." So if people are making the same argument at Harden, if they're going, well, yeah, but look how good the team is, that pretty much always in- comes with a team that is really damn good. Uh, so yeah. the, their only reason that they're, that this is more of a, this much of a competition is because people are now saying, well, the team's just really good. So uh, so having having a very good team is maybe not the worst thing to have to happen to, to James Harden. Yeah, and, and to, to me, it's a little bit hypocritical, and, and, and this is where I, like my Rockets homerism comes out in full force <laughs> because like the argument in twenty fourteen fifteen, which which I agreed with, was that you know historically it's gone to the best player on the best team, right? Most of the time, or one of the one of the best teams, and I, I agreed with that. Like I, I thought Steph should have deserved the award, right? I think I think that's fine, and I, I accepted that, and. The same people that that made those arguments are now flipping the script with Russell Westbrook, and I think likability hurts Harden like crazy here. People like Russ better, and I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the way he plays. Maybe it's just it's because his... it's a human tornado made of fire. That's why it is. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess like he's probably like in terms of um, mentality or um, in terms of, like mental makeup, he's probably the closest thing to Kobe Bryant since Kobe Bryant, right? And um, I think that attracts a lot of people, uh, and that I think that works in Russ's favor. Uh, that you know bulldog mentality, and I think Harden, you know, he just doesn't have that. He plays the game a little bit more. Um, 
I don't want to say effortless, but he plays the game a little bit more melancholy, I guess. That's uh, a... uh, melancholy, that's a good one. Yeah, Harden, well, Harden makes it look easy, right? Yeah. Uh, which is, it doesn't sell as well. And you can, people can tell that James Harden is not as intense. Like, he's not as hourly intense. People like intensity. You know, uh, I would say that Westbrook isn't. So, I think Kobe was kind of like Jordan, and both of them were super intense, driven guys. You could see that, like, you know. They're almost boiling with rage, with like ter- determination all the time. But Russell Westbrook is just some kind of rage monster. He's just the Hulk out there. I don't think we've ever seen anybody like this. He's truly unique. Like I, I will not take anything away from Russell Westbrook. I, I think he can shoot you in or out of any game. Uh, I think that overall, I would, <laughs> I would rather have James Harden on my team because I think he's better at managing a team. Uh, Russell Westbrook is better at just going into overdrive and giving everything he has, I don't think what the Thunder are doing is sustainable, and I think that's the biggest demerit against Russell Westbrook's uh, MVP case right now, is that I just don't think it's going to keep up. Like, I think, like you said, if they're in seventh seed, if they're somewhere in the low 40s, or God forbid worse, win-wise, it's going to be really tough to argue. Because they'll say, well, this team would have been like a 20-win team without him. And then meanwhile, if James Harden's sitting up there and like them at 50s wins, well, what are you going to do about that, right? One of them clearly is doing more for their team than the other one. And then also Har- Westbrook may miss games. Who knows? I I worry about Westbrook. I worry as long as he goes too hard for this world. Uh, I say just enjoy him while he's there. <laughs> and then enjoy the Rockets while they're there. I don't, I don't know. I guess I just don't really care who wins MVP, but it's definitely between those two guys right now. And that's more than anybody could have expected. Yeah, I, and, and I didn't care either up until Harden became this good, and up until like Russ became a legitimate candidate. Because, like I, I think I, like for me, up until the Rockets got the third seed, my MVP candidate was Kevin Durant. Because I mean, going by a traditional historical president, like I know I he is a traditional one, yeah, yeah. Like, and I, I understand everybody hates Kevin Durant now because you know he made a decision in free agency that people didn't like, and people are being stubborn about it now. Um, but. I don't care. Like, like he's been probably the most efficient player in the NBA this year, and he's been really good on the best team in the NBA. And normally, that's the MVP. And this team, this this uh, Warriors team, is probably going to win high sixties, low seventy wins. And you can't take anything away from that. And no. up, and then when Harden, when the Rockets got the third seed, that's when I started, you know, to probably like legitimize Harden's MVP candidates candidacy because. You know, now his MVP candidacy is probably more in line with historical president than ever before. Like, he's having a, a better case for MVP than in 2014-15. And, can, I mean, can, can yeah. we agree there? Like, yeah. No, and, and it's more open. Like, I actually think he might be the front runner right now. Yeah. So, I, like, I don't, <laughs> I think it's okay. I wouldn't worry so much about Steph. Uh, I think that if if LeBron wanted it, he could have had it, but he doesn't care. <laughs> he clearly just is kind of like, look, let's just get to this regular season and we can get back and, you know, get back to the, to the finals again. Uh, Kevin Durant, I think, is a sort of disqualified, basically. And for a few reasons. People cite voter fatigue, which is a real thing. Do, they, do people want to give it to the same team three years in a row? People cite that he has too much help. He has another MVP on the team with him. So how can they really justify him being that valuable? Which, honestly, I think he is that valuable. He's been the best player on the, on the, the Warriors the entire season. He is. I watched a number of wins where he was the only reason that that team won that game. Uh, he is doing it for that team. 
but also he's had a bad attitude toward the media and who votes on MVP. So yeah. there, there's going to be a bunch of animus towards him, and I don't think he really is going to be able to overcome it unless they go like unless they somehow win like every single game for the rest of the season. I want to go ahead and ask an open-ended question here because uh, like today I was like just curiously looking through the numbers, and I, I think this is probably the best regular season team Harden's ever played on for the Rockets. Am I being crazy there? Because they have a higher SRS rating than, than ever before. They have a higher yeah, net than rating. ever before. Yeah, ever before. And if, and if you look at net rating, same thing there. If you look at point differential, same thing there. And they're actually a legitimate title contender, which you could probably couldn't have said about that 2014-15 team uh, because they overexceeded their point differential by six wins. Uh, they were supposed to be a 51 team, according to basketball reference, but they won 56. And... Uh, I think that you know that put on that made everybody have colored glasses about that team and you know consider them a, a dark horse contender, which they probably weren't. Um, and we and I probably uh, overestimated that team too. I'm guilty of that. And this team is actually much better than that team by all all metrics. And it's, it's the yeah, it's better. It's just better. Normally, like a, ch- a championship contender team, obviously has two superstars, and the Rockets for a while had had that with Dwight, and this team doesn't have it, and. My question is, can this team do it in the playoffs, basically? Because like, I, I think this team is playing pretty much up to their maximum ability. And I don't think like teams like the Cavs are doing so. Because I, I, I think the Cavs have an extra defensive gear that the Rockets yeah. are, aren't showing. Because right now the Cavs are like 17th in defense. They're much better than that in the playoffs. We've seen it before. Like They have really good defensive pieces in Tristan Thompson, Channing Frye, uh, LeBron James. Kyrie Irving actually gives in the playoffs on defense. Um, and so that that improves dramatically. That improves the Cle- Cleveland's defense dramatically. LeBron goes into, you know, Kawhi mode on defense in the playoffs, and we, we and that comes out. And so, like, I'm not sure if the Rockets have that. What do you think? Like, am, am I being crazy by thinking that way? It's going to come down to seeding, I think. I think you're right that the Cavs have another gear, but I think there's not a lot of teams like that. People like to bring that up, but, like, the Spurs have never been another gear team. Uh the Raptors have shown that they pretty much are who they are in a regular season. Teams generally are who they are in a regular season. The Warriors are the same way. It's not like they turned it up in the playoffs. They just had it up at 10 the whole time. Uh, so <laughs> the the Clippers got it done against a Spurs team that just had a well, problem well, with them well, see, a couple years ago. Here, I, I'd argue that the Clippers have another gear, and we just haven't seen it yet. And maybe I, I'm a big believer in the Clippers, and I'm not sure if you feel the same way. I think they're a leg- legitimate title contender. And, like, by legitimate, I mean more legitimate than the Rockets, even though the Rockets appear to be better than this year. Like, I think defensively they have that extra gear. And I, I realize I'm talking in a lot of sports radio terminology with that extra gear stuff, but I don't care. Like, I, like defensively, like, when DeAndre Jordan, J.J. Redick, Chris Paul, and all those guys, when they're playing on a string defensively, the Rockets can't play on that same string. Like, they can't, they don't have the personnel to play on that level. And I think there's a possibility that the Clippers are probably better in the playoffs this year than they are, they're showing the regular season. Now, uh, would you agree with me? And can, can the Rockets get better in the, defensively in the playoffs? Like, is this their ceiling? I don't know. We don't, this is the thing. Once again, we don't know. This team is really new. This core is like, yeah, a lot of the same guys are there, but all the new guys are there too. I mean, Eric Gordon, for example, is defending better than people thought he would. We don't, we don't know what this team is going to do in the playoffs. So, I don't know. Uh, I think there's only one team that they're out of a series with in the West. Uh, so as long, I think it's about seeding. If they can avoid the four, like that four-five range, if they can stay above it or God forbid below it. They, I don't know, they have a shot at the Western Conference Finals because I don't think anyone's that much better than them. 
Uh, I think they're they're within striking range. I don't know if I'd favor them against the other teams out west, but they could. As far as we know right now, maybe we'll learn more about them in, in the interim and we'll see something that, you know, uh, either lowers or raises our expectations of them. I mean, they've been on such an easy part of the schedule that things are going to go a little wrong. Someone's going to get hurt. We're, you know, they're not going to ride this high forever, but they're really good. Uh, and they might be in a range where they just need to have, like, a good bounce. You know, they just need to have, like, their shots fall a bit more normal for a couple games. And they can take on any of these teams. Uh, we'll find out when we get there, but this is... It's a real team. They're they're not a contender, but not. But that's just because no one's a contender except the Warriors and the Cavs. <laughs> it's, just a, it's just a different league. So, yeah, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and read their schedule out to you, and you, stop me when you when you see a game that they that they're gonna lose. Uh, the Spurs tomorrow at home. That's uh the Spurs is a, the Spurs is a, is a pick'em. Is a pick'em? See, I, I yeah. actually think they're gonna win that game, and uh, I wouldn't have said that. Uh, earlier but that game in minnesota had me like i think they're gonna win now off that momentum towards the end that they showed in overtime and in the fourth quarter like i, I think um with a day of rest i think i think they're gonna beat the spurs and i think i actually think they're a better team than spurs and maybe i'm being overboard there i think, I think they I, might be but you can't ever count out the spurs sure i mean that, that at this point that's just something people say now right i mean uh i think the spurs aren't on a title contend this year uh, and maybe I'm being a little bit too dismissive of them. I don't think so. I, I think there's like three title contenders this year. The Cavaliers, the, the Warriors, and the Clippers. And I, I, I it's, really, it's really hard for me to think of any other team that's a legitimate title contender outside of those three. Um, and I, I, so what you think about the about the Raptors, basically? Uh, no, I, I, I don't think they're this good. I guess, <laughs> and yeah. Raptors fans hate when we say that. But I mean, like, they're the best offense of all time right now. And I don't think that's sustainable. There's like... like- Four teams who are shooting who are shooting like 115 points per 100 possessions right now. It's ridiculous. The offense in the top of the league right now, oh, by the way, is a completely astonishing and nothing like we've nothing we've ever seen before. So, yeah, and you're you're right. Like like under any normal circumstances, the Rockets would be the first the best offense in the NBA. But this isn't normal circumstances. There's like three elite offenses ahead of them. And it's really tough uh, for the Rockets to uh, basically cross that threshold. But yeah, I don't think the Raptors are that good. Um, and I think the Spurs, like, I think they're actually, I think they're actually worse than their record this year. Like, I, they're overperforming their point differential uh, significantly, and their defense isn't as good as as it used to be under Duncan. Um, and I think, no, I I think you're right. I think you're right about the Spurs that they have stepped back a little bit, but I still am not comfortable calling that as like a probable win. Uh, Five thirty eight has them likely to win that game, though. So. Uh, I'm happy to see that point. <laughs> so moving on. And at this point, we're rambling. So yeah, that's it for the Red Nation News Podcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Give us a good rating on, on iTunes. Give us a good rating on iTunes if you enjoyed the podcast. If you didn't enjoy the podcast, give us a good rating anyways. Be a good friend. Be a good friend. Give us a good rating. Uh, it helps other people find the show. We're on Stitcher Radio now. We're on Stitcher Radio. So you, if you download uh, the Stitcher app, you can find our podcast on there. And yeah, this is the last month to listen to us on SoundCloud. So yeah, subscribe to us on those other feeds. Uh, There's plenty of podcast apps where you can find us. Uh, Podcast Addicts, a great app where you can find us. And yeah, good night, guys.
to understand that I'm more than simply a hype man for this rap group. Just like Geico is more than just a company that can save you money. Geico also has fast and friendly claim service so they can help you when you need it most. And while I do love being a hype man, I also love reading for children's audiobooks. Like little Bo Peep, she lost the sheep and she don't know where to find them. Yo, Geico, expect great savings and a whole lot more. Hi, this is Maury Moreland Morrison, here to tell you Geico has more than just great savings. Much more. Geico's been around for more than 75 years, back when they were using Morse code. Sorry, that's just my sense of humor. What's more, with Geico, you get 24-7 access to licensed agents on the app, online, or over the phone, so you can talk to them at night or in the morning. So forevermore, just know that no other auto insurer has more more than Geico. More power to you. Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more.